in America that covers politics that's not talking about special election results tomorrow this morning. It's so. a referendum on Trump. Oh my God! You we'll make wave. you make me want to hurl when you just say that. Wow. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned for all sorts of good stuff. But I want to finish up the uh, discussion briefly of these insidious, un-American, indefensible certificates of need that were in vogue like 40 years ago, and 49 states had them. 14 have repealed theirs, and I I hope it's a trend, and and people who love liberty are fighting for this. But the idea is you have to go to a state board composed of the current hospitals and providers and say, look, I need an MRI machine. I want to do MRIs for my patients. Because I see all sorts of patients, and frankly, I think they're overpriced, and I'm not going to charge them as much, or you don't even have to say that. And they'll say, no, 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 we don't think you no, need one. That's crazy. It's insane. Now, that is central planning. Right, exactly. And uh, Tim Lawyer and others who fight for economic liberty liberty have pointed out that there are all sorts of laws like this. Like, there, there are a law they fought, was it in Oregon, where you, there are a number of states that have this, where... If you want to open up a new moving company, Joe's careful with your junk movers, you have to ask the other moving companies in the area for their permission, which, how did we get there? It's simple. The the companies or the medical boards or whatever, they bribe legislators, and they pass these incredibly monopolistic laws that are indefensible. So that you it's, won't, it's purely a transaction. Right, so that you won't have competition. Right. And you also don't have to get better, because that's what competition does, is make everybody get better. And then the politicians string together some sort of Looney Tunes argument. Well, we, we want stability. We, don't, we, we want to make sure the hospitals don't go out of business because of too much. And it's just there is no coherent explanation for this stuff. Uh, but it happens. And just one final quick note before we go to the fabulous Sherry Preston. Um well, I tell you what, why don't we go to Sherry? It'd take too long. Uh, Sherry's actually got a really interesting story going about the differences between men and women in dieting and keeping the the weight off. And Sherry joins us now. Good morning. How are you? Well, good morning. But I do like the fabulous Sherry Preston rather than just Sherry Preston. Is that okay? <laughs> a- ABC <laughs> insisted we introduce you that way. Is that, <laughs> is that not okay? in your contract? Or? Is that a problem? <laughs> you, know, okay, you, know, you know, right off the bat, before we even get to the details, I see problems with this if it's true, because a lot of times... Husbands and wives diet together. In fact, it's a lot easier if you both get on the train at the same time. But if if we react differently, this is going to be tough. Well, it is. But if you, you know, just like a marriage, you got to look at it in the long term. It's a long game here. It's not a short game. <laughs> That's so, true. <laughs> so, so what the deal is, is there are researchers from, uh, you know, several researchers in England and Sweden and Denmark, they put 2,000 people on diets. These were overweight people, pre-diabetic. They weren't obese, um, but they did need to lose a couple of pounds. And they put them on a low-calorie diet because really the one thing that, that, that all doctors agree on is if you want to lose weight, put in, put in less food in your mouth. So they put them on a <laughs> that's what I've been trying to do. Put less food in my mouth. It is, but it's hard. That's that's my scientific uh, phrase yeah. for it. But, you know, what they found after eight weeks, okay, so two months they put them on this diet. They found that both the men and the women had lost about the same amount of weight, um, you know, about 10, 11% of their, their body mass. But when they checked other things going on in the body, they realized that the men were healthier. They had a greater change in fat mass. They had a greater change in waist circumference. They lowered their heart rate. They lowered their blood sugar indications. Women, however, um, they decreased their hip circumference, but they also had a decrease in their good cholesterol. Now, the reason for this is that when men lose weight, 
they most quickly lose it around their belly. And that belly fat is key to maintaining good health because when you have fat around your belly, that fat gloms on to your organs and it makes it difficult for your heart and is your it, lungs and everything else in there that, to work. Is that just because of the location, just because the fat's near the organs? Is it that yes, simple? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because the women, when they lose weight, they tend to lose it more on their backsides, their hips, their thighs. Men lose it around their belly. So, you know, while both, you know, look better and, you know, after, after two months, uh, the men generally, when you actually do the testing, are healthier. Now, Interesting. if you give it more time, it evens out. So doctors want to study it more and see if does that continue over how much time. Sherry, I, I'm triggered by this conversation because we're on the West Coast and, and, and gender's a social construct. And you're really upsetting me with this science. Don't don't react to that. You'll only get yourself in trouble. Yeah. How can I do that? There was another study the other day. Oh, you're really going to not like this one. That said um, women who have heart attacks have a higher survival rate if they're treated by women doctors. Whoa. Any idea why? Um, they don't know why. They're, they're looking into it that, you know, uh, there's, no, you know, there's no statistical studies or anything, but they have looked at the numbers, and that's what they found out. That's, you know, a lot of people, like we had Dr. Jen Ashton on Good Morning America yesterday, and she said, you know, it really is, when you start getting into, you know, women are better at this, men are better at that, you, it causes real problems. It really does. I mean, you can't say women treat, you know, women heart attack patients better. They're just telling you the numbers. It, it's Those cer- are the numbers. Well, right. It's the women doctors some- clearly hope the men will die. Wow. Don't treat them wrong. What? Wow. wow. Uh, it's, <laughs> it certainly could be about? some of the dynamics of the interaction. What a fascinating result. I, yeah, yeah. I don't I know. I they can get to the bottom of that, or, although I'm now so upset I need a coloring book and a puppy. Please. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Do it with a low-calorie snack beside you. That is really good tip. Some <laughs> carrots, perhaps. Sherry Preston, you are fabulous. Uh, thanks Thank so much you. for the report. Bye, guys. Take care. Great to talk to you. That's an interesting one to guess on. So a woman uh, having a heart attack, you're just barely aware of what's going on. You see another woman, maybe you feel that much more comfortable than a guy. It could be that. I don't know. Who knows? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's difficult to, to characterize my theory briefly. Um, but yeah, something like that. There's listen. Anybody who thinks gender is a is a construct, you know, I'll grant you some sort of rigid gender roles are are clearly a, a you know a social thing. But the idea that sex is a construct is perhaps among the most idiotic notions cooked up uh, by by humankind. Well, she gave us two gender choices according to Facebook. I think there are 54. Right. So to just well, focus get on Sherry back on to run down the other 52 cuz to focus on just two out of 54 seems slicing it pretty thin. Right. What about gender fluid pansexuals who have heart attacks? Cisgender fluid pansexuals what? who have heart attacks. Uh <sighs> treated by non-cis gender fluid males. Um <sighs> yeah. I, well, there's going to have to be it's going to be like a speed dating. Or maybe uh, I'm having a heart attack, but I'd really, really appreciate a, a non cisgendered, non conforming, gender fluid, pansexual, trans male. Well, I'm oh damn it, you had me, but I'm a, I'm just a male male. Well, thanks anyway, and you keep moving with your chest pain down the line till you find the one you're looking for. I want a hot nurse to treat me. If I'm going out, I'm going out happy. There you go. Well, Simple needs. That ain't going to help. A naughty nurse, perhaps. Michael. Um. Uh. So maybe the woman doctor just intuitively understands the. What the? I'm, I'm telling you, to do you get a guy in there? My heart hurts. Yeah, I'll get to you. That's what she's saying. She's angry at her husband. She's taking it out on him. Or maybe the doctor says, "So you single? Well, I'm having a heart attack. 
Well, I know. I know it's here on your chart. Are you single? <laughs> wow. I don't know. I don't think that any could... of these theories are hold water. <laughs> I'd really like to get back to the uh, certificates of need because I'd like to rant about them all day long. Because you're mad. So I, I am is, mad. It's, is, it's, is, it's just insane. But it's uh, uh, the thought that I was going to express before Sherry came on was that so much of what the left decries as the imperfections or the flaws, the, the evil of, of capitalism, is the opposite of capitalism. This is, the, uh, this is crony capitalism at its worst. This is government being used to fix the free market. These certificates of need. It's Get, awful. Getting back to the original uh, part of the story, so are you going to have to wait? Are you all going to have to wait till January before you have your first meeting about getting something done? I, I don't know. Wow, that's crazy. I've got to look into other medical groups. That's and... crazy. That seems like something that should happen in, in rural India. Well, right. This massive system that I get my primary care from. Um, that will remain nameless for now until I get really annoyed. Um, they have one guy who does this. A guy. I was, How impossible is that? I don't know. You got people lined up six months deep just to say hello, and it doesn't occur to you to get another one of them? I don't the know hell? if it's uh, because I grew up in unpopulated areas, so maybe it was different, or just my age, it used to be different, or both. But every time I call for something, and it's usually for my kid, but every time I call for something, I have in my mind this expectation that they're going to say, how about Thursday? Right. I just always expect that. And then I'm reminded when they say, uh, we've got something late September. Wait, it's I at have nine in the morning. throat. What do you mean September? And I think, what? Right. <laughs> I'll be dead by then. <sighs> All right. Um... We'll put Can you on the list a... if there are some cancellations, we'll right. call you. Or deaths, more likely. Yeah, they died because they're waiting. Right. See the VA. That, that's that's interesting. Yeah, no. uh, how, how we got to the plastic straw ban, which ended up being a real fever this summer all across America. Hypodermic needles, yes. Straws, no. It's kind of interesting, among other things we can talk about on this crazy little radio program. Um, Plus, we'll break down the special elections county by county. Oh. The swing runners, Trump. Trip around a blue wave. You're not. You're not getting me to go there. I'll tell you that. Um. And this whole uh, since socialism came up, a lot of people are really happy to call themselves socialists now. And you used to not be able to say that word out loud in American politics. Mm. Uh, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, that labor man said, son, now can you sing a little bit more clear? Said you both might beat the country next to what they've been here. How'd we get to the plastic straw ban, which was one of the uh, great fevers of the summer? It's just kind of interesting. Is this year's summer jam? It was. Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna hit on the summer jam, the uh, declared summer song. Okay. At at some point, because um, I'm uh, I'm my age and have two young kids, so I'm not the right person to ask. I have to learn it by reading about it in a newspaper article. Exactly. <laughs> it's not like I heard it at the clubs or blasting out of my uh, truck as I was driving down the road. The the summer of plastic straw bands from the Wall Street Journal. How we got there, which is kind of interesting. 
The real tipping point, because this was a phenomenon, right? It happened incredibly fast. Um, the real tipping point, and then there was this guy, he was the director of hashtag stop sucking. That was a social media campaign that's been around for years. Funny name. Elon Musk started thing. Trying to get rid of plastic straws. This guy named Dune Ives. And he says the tipping point where they got their message through was when Kim Kardashian told her 115 million Instagram followers that her household had stopped using plastic straws. Wow. Somehow they got to her. Wow. And that tipped it into a whole different world, and that's when it took off. Well, keep in mind, she is one of the twin pillars of this movement, the other being that nine-year-old lad. Yeah, that comes up. May- oh, okay, sorry. That comes right. up. Yeah. That comes up, which is just freaking hilarious. It It, it, it is... <laughs> It's it's horrifying and hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's horrifarious, which is an important concept to grasp if you listen to this show. Some things are simultaneously <laughs> horrifying and hilarious. Kim Kardashian being the tipping point of anything is really pretty interesting. Uh, bans on straws have swept through U.S. cities, businesses, restaurants, and even sports venues at an amazing speed this summer. In recent months, officials in cities including New York, San Francisco, Miami Beach, Santa Barbara, Portland, Oregon, have either proposed or passed bans on single-use plastic straws. Last month, Seattle became the first major U.S. city to completely ban straws in the city. Seattle, where liberty is a hilarious concept of relegated to yesteryear. We'll force you to do everything exactly the way we think you should do it, because we're all hippies. <laughs> what the flip and flip, huh? Susan Clayton, who's a professor of psychology... At uh, some college, it doesn't matter where, compared the movement to the ice bucket. It matters to her. Compared it to the, the movement to the ice bucket challenge in 2014, which was a social media sensation, of course. We remember where you posted videos of pouring cold water on your head in theory to help charity. Activities like avoiding straws can lead to something psychologists call moral licensing. Dr. Clayton said, in which some people feel good about themselves for changing certain behaviors so they don't need to take further action. You do something incredibly easy, right? like pour ice on your head for a video, or stop using straws, or just even be in support of stop using straws, and bitch, you feel like... Bitch at people who do use yeah, straws. And you feel like you've done your part to make the world a better place, right. and you don't have to do any of the really hard stuff, right? which is pretty good. It's like, it's like the hashtag thing. Mm-hmm. Bring back our girls. Oh yeah, Boko Haram is really affected by your hashtag. You've really done something. You've expressed that you're... Against the abduction and rape of young girls. Well, so while we've used the term, everybody uses the term now, the uh, the, the virtue signaling. I like this moral licensing thing. It's kind of interesting side note to that. Mm-hmm. The hashtags and what. Do you do this little thing? You say, now I've done my part so I can drive to Starbucks instead of walking, right? Or do various other things that I, that I do mm-hmm. because I've been in favor of banning straws. Makes me feel better. Uh, bans for straws have been accelerated in recent months. Um, it starts, they think, in 2015 with a YouTube video I have not watched, but I've heard about, of a bloodied straw being pulled out of a sea turtle's nostril. Yo! That started the whole straw craze, which is interesting, because when I first heard about the straw ban and everything and still think about it, I think in terms of, we don't want all those plastic straws in our landfill. It makes perfectly good sense. Right. Why are we going through gazillions of straws and throwing them in the landfill, and they don't biodegrade? And it's just, they're really not that necessary. Right, they're not. And if you kept one, you could reuse it many, many, many times. So it is kind of silly. But it started with being pulled out of a sea turtle's nostril. Are we sure he wasn't doing some sort of prank for his friends? 
You know? The sea turtle? Yeah, watch this. Watch what I can do. <laughs> he was doing the straw challenge for oh, all the other sea on turtles. On YouTube. I've heard about this. One of your children. <laughs> Uh, many credit the influence of the off-sided statistic that Americans use 500 million straws each day, which you've heard over and over and over again. The figure, which has been cited by the National Park Service and others, including the Wall Street Journal, this was written in the Wall Street Journal, the Don't. Wall Street Journal cited that number, Yeah, comes from, as Joe pointed out a couple of weeks ago, from the 2011 research of a then nine-year-old Vermont boy and his mother. Period. He made, That's the whole thing. He made a phone call to a straw company, said, how many straws do you sell, and then extrapolated from there. You know, g- good for the little lad. That's some good research right there. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. Maybe I'd check a book out of the library and pl- plagiarize at age nine. But the fact that that number is then cited across the country for oh, yeah. a major environmental movement right. is beyond hilarious into... Well, horrifying. Right, it's horrifarious. A tiny lad's school project gets cited by the federal government as a, a a real statistic. Absolutely incredible. Campaigns to bring recyclable bags to grocery stores or tote around uh, reusable bags haven't caught on with the same verve as the straws because it takes a little more sacrifice. It's a bigger sacrifice than not having a straw. It, it really points out how we are we 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 want to be good people in general human beings do, mm-hmm. but we don't want to try very hard. Right. So if the opportunity comes along to do something that makes us feel like we're good people, but takes almost zero effort, we really latch onto it. Right, as you saw all summer long with the straw ban. Well, and I would suggest to ye that there there's a further like a, a more intense high. Of the uh, the moral licensing thing, I mean, if I say uh, you know ban the straw or you know or you shouldn't use straws, you know straws are evil, blah blah blah. I get I get that feeling, I get that credit. But if I compel a governmental body to forbid anybody else from doing it, I feel like a real good person. And I think that restricting other people's freedom in the name of whatever you think is a priority, that's, that's like a drug to people. And it's a, it's a moral licensing virtue signaling thing. But it's evil. Don't you understand? You're, you're, you're a bad person. But it is, it does fall into the category of it's the least we could do. I yes. mean, it is the least. Kim Kardashian saying they're a straw free household. How many did you and Kanye use a year? Four? Okay, you're not going to use those four straws. Congratulations on changing the world. Yeah. Well, I think that's silly, but I don't have any problem with it. If, no, if, I don't have a problem with it either, but it just it made her feel better than everybody else latched onto it because it makes them feel better. All right, that's fine. Some girl who's never really done anything but had a big, shapely booty um, can get millions of people to think, you know, I don't need to use straws. Straws are stupid. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's it, fine. Yeah, it's, sure, it's fine. It's just the illogic of it I find hilarious. And the original study that we're all basing it on. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we got wildfires around the West. They keep on growing. We got the latest. Was Facebook going to banks to get financial information about you and their other customers? Yes. And the smartphone app that'll tell you what ails you. Coming up minutes from now. I need that. I've got another of the sins of Facebook for you, too, Marshall. Joe hates Mark Zuckerberg. Piling on. More on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Peace. This is what uh, people who want to sound smart call articles. Peace. Great peace. There's a piece in the journal. In the National Review about what various political labels mean. 
what they really mean, what they mean when people use them, including libertarian or socialist or whatever. But I think uh, I think we'll relate to uh, to today's climate. That sounds like a stimulating piece. <laughs> I'll stay tuned. Uh, right now, the news with Marshall Phillips. The wildfires that are forming the Mendocino Complex in Northern California have now burned over 300,000 acres. So there's, there's a, again, I realize we have people listening who are in the middle of the fires, right. and this is the maybe the worst thing that's ever happened in your life. Not trying to make light of it. But I saw an interesting conversation yesterday. Is it better to say it's now bigger than Rhode Island, now bigger than Los Angeles, or now bigger than Estonia? Should you go with some little country, some little state, or some giant city that it's now bigger than? In terms I would of- say a state, just because it's astounding. Okay. Even though Rhode Island is a tiny little statelet. Mm. Ought not be a state at all. Drum it out of the Union. The wildfires, again, forming the Mendocino Complex, have now burned over 300,000 acres since they broke out less than two weeks ago. Standing about 47% contained as of this morning, and California fire officials don't think they're going to have the fires contained until at least September yeah. 1st. Yeah, that, that that's what struck me, is yeah. why, why are we talking about this containment percentages day by day if they don't think it's going to be contained until September? Yep, yep. The uh, car fire, that's one burning near Redding. That's now at over 172,000 acres. Got 17 wildfires burning around California right now, and as Joe mentioned... There's a number of big fires raging away in southern Oregon. The southern uh, Umpqua complex, almost 30,000 acres. Fire and smoke up and down the west right now. All right, we've got trade to war tariffs back and forth. They are escalating. China now says it's going to slap 25% tariffs on $16 billion worth of U.S. goods. Those products will include crude oil and cars. That action announced today as China retaliates against another round of tariffs the U.S. says they will impose on Chinese products later this month. Starting to get real up in her. Yep. I think it's time for the next step, those hardcore negotiations, which will lead to free trade and reciprocal fair trade, I heard which a, is an excellent goal. I heard an interesting uh, commentary on this. Yeah. People that are uh, screaming against this, who don't like the idea of it, whether it's uh, some Republicans or a lot of Democrats, um, none of them would say the current system is good or that you want it to continue because it's not it's it's not good and it's not fair and it can't continue. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody's proposing an alternative right to biting the bullet, going through some tough times, but forcing these other countries to come around. Right. Yeah, I completely respect the idea of what Trump is trying to do. It's a it's the right idea whether you know the way he's doing it is a good idea and whether it will be successful or are question marks but you're right i mean there's absolutely a need to do something about our unfair trade relationships and nobody's which per- are born out of post-world war ii we were the colossus and they were tiny little developing economy dynamics and not proposing an alternative is just cowardice it's just yes. i don't want to do it during the cycle where i'm up for re-election which is always yeah Story that's uh, been floating around for a couple days now, and USA Today is reporting that Facebook is denying a report it reached out to banks for access to consumers' financial data in order to add new services to its messenger platform. Now, according to the Wall Street Journal, Facebook is urging banks to offer information like credit card transactions and checking account balances so the social giant can offer customer service options on its messaging uh, messaging platform. They're going to report your balance back and forth. Allegedly. Allegedly. 
The data would be used, they say, for potential features including fraud alerts and the ability to check balances within the app. Now, in a state, our most profitable feature: selling your information to app makers. Yeah, and which in, we'll then claim we didn't know about. And in a statement, Facebook said, "Oh, we are not actively asking for data related to financial transactions." Their statement, quote, "Like many online companies with commerce businesses." We partner with banks and credit card companies to offer services like customer chat or account management. The idea is that messaging with a bank can be better than waiting on hold over the phone, and it's completely opt-in. So, Mark, are you selling our personal financial information? Senator, I'll have to have my team get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) And CVS. CBS is getting ready to offer a nationwide service. B is in boy or V is in vagina? V is in uh, vagina. Okay, CVS. Okay. CVS. I thought you said CBS. No, CVS. Getting ready to offer a nationwide service using its smartphone app to treat easy-to-diagnose health problems. The telemedicine service is going to cost 59 bucks. It'll diagnose things like colds and flu, skin problems, and general wellness issues. CVS is initially going to offer the smartphone telemedicine service in California, Arizona, Florida, and seven other states. I'll try it. Some stuff's so basic that there's yep. no point in going to the dock in yeah. the box. But yep. It would really speed things up if we could all somehow get the most basic stuff taken care of without mucking up the system. Oh, hey, uh, and, and there will, you know, there are issues, but, you know, let's, let's give it a try. So I was going to pile on Facebook very yeah. briefly. I, I want to point out that and I'm, I'm quoting the American Thinker, which is a conservative uh, website. They're talking about banning people from social media. And they include this sentence. Alex Jones has been banned from several social media sites because of his views, etc. That he's a paranoid bigot is beside the point. So these are not fans of Alex Jones. But they point out that Louis Farrakhan, one of the most virulent anti-Semitic weirdos in the world is still on Facebook with all sorts of anti-Semitic speech about Jews secretly controlling the government to suppress black America. The, the, the Jews did this, the, that, the, the enemy, etc. Boy, that's um, a hell of an example. Oh, yeah. Oh, I could go on and on. There's all sorts of, uh, sorts of stuff here. But Mark Zuckerberg's f- fine with that? Come on. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> Farrakhan claimed that the U.S. government and Jews are working together to weaponize marijuana with chemicals that perform lobotomies. This guy makes Jones look like a sober realist. (laughs) I'm not laughing, damn it, I'm not laughing! Legitimately, you can't boot Alex Jones and keep Louis Farrakhan. Please. Um... By the way, that whole conscience of the nation, we mean that to be over the top. It's, I don't, it's an inside joke. I, not, not anymore, it's not. That's just not like, you know, we're it's Ford. It's inspired me. It's not just like we're Ford tough or something. We don't mean it. And I text the other day, somebody new to the show, apparently, thought that was a little much. Yeah, we know we know it's a little <laughs> you much. You think? <laughs> really? <laughs> what, uh, what's your label, your political label? And then do you even know what it means? Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
think is the richest person in Venezuela, the daughter of Hugo Chavez. Hello. Anyway, 0-2. So that, that was the end of a longer and, and quite eloquent indictment of socialism by the great Vin Scully. For some reason, at the end of Vin Scully's magnificent career calling baseball, he decided to do a little thing on why socialism doesn't work. Way to go, Vin. And he ends it by changing back to baseball, saying, anyway, 0-2. Oh so anyway, 0-2. Oh that's become a, kind of a punchline catchphrase for us here to, right. after a serious conversation, to get back to other things. Anyway, 0-2. Oh uh, so, socialist is a hot word right now uh, for people for a variety of reasons, and it means different things to different people, which I'm about to get into, and I'm not sure labels. Well, why we have these labels is the point of what I'm about to read, but I thought this was interesting. Um, here's, uh, Cynthia Nixon. She's running for governor in New York. She's the, uh, the redhead from Sex in the City. Uh-huh. And then this is Chuck Todd and Meet the Press talking to somebody else who's running for office. The establishment is terrified of that word, socialism. But if we learned one thing from the Obama years, it's that Republicans are going to call us socialists no matter what we do. So we might as well give them the real thing. I think I this is going. It. This is going to be, though, a debate, a big debate point on that Democratic primary stage in 2020, isn't it? I, I don't even think it's going to be a debate point. You either embrace the label and own it and be a player, or you can be like Andrew Cuomo and be off in the sidelines. I think that's pretty interesting. First of all, Cynthia Nixon's argument is bizarre. <laughs> well, I mean, if we called you a rapist all the time, would you go <laughs> ahead and rape people to show us or what? That's well, crazy. Yeah. Well, I think what she's saying is why, what's, why, why, why are we just kind of dancing around the edge of socialism? Let's just be it and own it. That's what we are. And the crowd goes wild. Right. And that other guy saying it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be the thing on the, on the stage for Democrats. Are you a socialist or not? Womp, and Andrew Cuomo's on the sideline. Bad news for you. I'm womp womping so socialism. It's a high, well, and what does it mean when people are saying it? Uh, right. There's this this article in um, National Review by Kevin D. Williamson. Do you know his act? I yeah, don't know I if do. I do or not. He's an excellent writer. Do I know it's him? Fabulous. Oh, yeah, he was him. hired by the Atlantic, and the left wept so bitterly and wet their little panties that that the Atlantic fired him. Oh, that guy, yeah. Jeffrey uh, Goldberg, is that yeah. him? Uh, so the Atlantic is dead to me. Huh. Dead to me for that cowardice. Anyway, this oh, is I a still read it sometimes. Hell of an so interesting. It's dead. This is a really long. I, I don't know who you people are. I admire you who read these really long articles in the Atlantic or the National Review about this stuff. But this is really good. Um, socialist is the new libertarian is the name of, and the and the words are in quotes. Mm-hmm. Socialist is the new libertarian is the name. Of, I'm just I'm cherry picking a chunk from the middle just because I found it very interesting. We love to fixate on exciting words. For a moment during the presidency of George W. Bush, virtually every figure on the right was denounced as a neocon, a term poorly understood by the majority of people who use it. Republican and conservative weren't good enough. Even the Buchananites, whose distinguishing feature is their intense hatred of neoconservatives, found themselves denounced as neocons from time to time. (laughs) And as George Orwell noted in the case of the word fascist, the word came to mean nothing more than I hate you. Right, which is the current status of the word fascist as well. Or often in the case of neocon, nothing more than I hate you, Jew, is what he said. Uh, do you know the word? what the word libertarian means? Our friends over at Reason Magazine define libertarianism as the creed of free minds and free markets. And there are a few of us old-fashioned ideologues who more or less hold to that. But what the word libertarian really means in the majority of cases is a person who is culturally on the right, but understandably embarrassed to call himself a Republican. <laughs> 
There's some truth to that. Uh, yeah, there is. Hence, a great many self-described libertarians rallied in 2016 to the cause of Donald Trump, who is love him or test him, something close to the opposite of a libertarian, a man whose instinct is toward government intervention in practically everything, which is what Tim the Lawyer's argument against Donald Trump is. Yeah, that's true Although, to, you know, to he, a large extent. He's eliminating a hell of a lot of regulation and that sort of stuff. Right, which is uh, uh, the motivation for a lot of people who characterize themselves as libertarians, just the regulation state. But I don't want to get bogged down. I'm reading this no, guy's opinion. You hate to get bogged. N- not all of this is my opinion. This I just thought this was interesting. Two major U.S. political parties mirror one another to an almost comical extent. Both of them are institutionally dominated by relatively moderate and somewhat dusty specimens of the American ruling class. And both of them are emotionally dominated by a relatively small activist base that hates its own party almost, and that's the key word, almost as it hates the guys on the other side. Amen. The Tea Party movement was never about giving the bird to the Democrats. Hating the Democrats was a given. The Tea Party movement was about giving the bird to the leadership of the Republican Party. That has lived up to precisely none of their promises. The same dynamic plays out on the left. I spent some time covering Bernie Sanders' campaign, and there were a few true believers convinced that the grumpy Muppet from Vermont was just what the Republic needed. But many of them simply could not stomach the prospect of pulling the lever for someone named Clinton again and lining up behind some triangulating, different-splitting, corporate-friendly, deal-making, bipartisan-leaning, Davos-frequenting gazillionaire. (laughs) That's a hell of a sentence. Love, Kevin. The angriest partisans on both sides don't want to work on structural reforms to K-12 education. They're engaged in a tribal contest, the aim of which is to humiliate the other side. Lincoln was the great liberator, Reagan the great communicator, and Trump the great humiliator. John Stewart became the most beloved man in America on the American left not because he has a talent for humiliation, not because he's a great wit or uh, on the original or insightful ideas about public policy. And he goes on on that theme. Likewise, uh, John Oliver. Currently, yeah. Well, and you know, a lot, a lot of what we do, uh, and I and I thought about that last night as I was watching the cable news channels. God, and if you were watching that, and I mean this seriously, you got to take a look at yourself. <laughs> you're you're off the rails. You're talking about the breakdown of the special elections on and both primaries Fox, and on Fox, CNN, and MSNBC. Yeah. Moment by moment updates on a congressional district in Ohio that's only going to last for a few weeks before you have another election for those. Be- and, it's a litmus test. And what it's it means a Rorschach. Rorschach. And it's that's, an indicator. And it's all about this stuff. You just want to humiliate the other side. It's not because you think that particular guy's policy is better than that guy. It's just my team won. Whoa, my team lost. Damn it. Uh, that's all there is to it. That's mm. all there is to it because it doesn't make any sense. To, to follow it that way for any other reason. Um, and, and so we come up with various labels to call each other and all this different stuff, but it's just, it's so much more about my team is winning or my team is losing than, than discussing the policies of any kind. How long will this last? Is this just the way it's going to be forever? I think it is the way it always has been and, forever. And always looking to the next election. If your side lost, this next election, we're going to get them back by winning. Yeah. And, and, we, and, and, and the debt goes up, and immigration doesn't get dealt with, and health care, and all these things just continue the same. Yeah. But we're excited as long as our team's holding power, even if the status quo continues for some reason. Well, it's a faint hope, but it's a hope that, you know, when our guys get in, they'll do slightly better than the other guys. You know, that's a legitimate hope. Wouldn't you think that at some point you'd uh, you'd wake up to there's some sort of scam going on or something? Yes, you would. And tribalism blinds people to that. The fact that we ought to chuck both the parties 
and come up with four or five new ones and let them wrestle uh, with the real ideas. God, the, there there could be no institutions more just utterly dusty, to use Ken Williamson's word, and and corrupt and, and contemptuous of you, my friends, than the Republican and Democrat parties. The, the, that's, I just read a, a memo that says you should say Democratic Party. Democrat Party is an insult some way. But anyway, um, no, they're, they're, they're awful. They're absolutely awful. How, uh, you know, how you could be loyal to them and excited about them, I don't get. Unless it's that faint hope that I'm talking about. You know, I tend to vote uh, to the right because the Republican Party more closely reflects my values and my policy priorities than the Democratic Party does. But they still suck. And if you don't know that, if you don't realize that, you got to pay attention. Your question is right. The enthusiasm. Uh, if you're young, you don't know any better. You actually think things are going to change with this election. But if you've been around a while, few elections, how do you actually get up on your feet cheering like something significant is going to change when your person gets in? you got a soft head. <laughs> so more on this, perhaps, and Drew Harwell on the hilariously brilliant... Elon Musk in the latest Tesla news in a moment. What was Elon up to? Is he the world's greatest troll? Is he 13 years old? On the Armstrong and Getty Show.